0: Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we delve into those reasons. I'm super excited because this week I got to chat with director William Brent Bell about his new movie, Lord of Misrule, which will be available in theaters and on demand on Friday, December 8th. That's this Friday if you're listening. To this episode when it comes out i was so excited to talk to william because i love his work on movies like orphan first kill and the boy and lord of misrule is nothing short of an atmospheric nail biter he told me how he thinks any story can be a horror story why he was drawn to the script of lord of misrule in the first place and which is his favorite horror movie that includes a creepy kid that he didn't direct And in case you missed my announcement on Instagram or Twitter, we've launched a Patreon. So if you want to get more involved with the show and join the community, you can click the link in the show notes and for only $3 a month, you'll get access to early episodes, stickers, a monthly newsletter, and more. Thank you to our first two Patreons, Robert and Tracy. Uh, I so appreciate your support and thank you for being here. If you want your name read, just join the Patreon and you will get a shout out in the intro. As always, please take a second to rate and review us wherever you listen, and let's get into my conversation with William Brent Bell. Hey, William, how are you?
1: I'm good, I'm very good.
0: Awesome, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you about your new movie, Lord of Misrule, but do you wanna start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself first?
1: Sure, I'm a filmmaker, Screenwriter and a, a director and a just a filmmaker of you you know pretty much horror and I've been you know my first horror film was two thousand five Stay Alive and and then this I you know I think is my eighth horror movie and that's pretty much it that's pretty much my life is making movies <laughs> so it's not much more to say
0: and you have such a wide range of movies so <laughs> the first thing I always ask everyone is what's your favorite scary movie.
1: My favorite scary movie is Halloween, the original. It's it's just, you know, that's a tough question, right? <laughs> I probably have more like 10, but if I have to choose one, that's the one that left the biggest impression on me. Is you know, and I think for my taste in horror, it's kind of probably the closest to my perfect movie and, and you know, the movies as they continued with 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 even the Halloween movies, you know, they become, I feel like sometimes a bit of a caric- caricature of themselves. And they come back, you know, ebb and flow of, of how they evolve. But to me, the characterization in that movie and the setting and just the the shape and everything about it is just like a perfect movie.
0: Awesome. Good choice. I found a copy, like a pristine copy of it on VHS at a at a thrift shop near me this October so it was a dollar so
2: did you play it yeah or did you just oh
0: I didn't play it I don't have a VHS but I have it on my shelf now
2: yeah (laughs) someday play it it might be really interesting sounding and looking the way that it's you know who knows
0: yeah Yeah, I'll have to see if my parents have a VHS player (laughs) at home still (laughs) so how did you first fall in love with the horror genre
1: as a kid really I my you know my parents divorced so my sister kind of took care of me a lot and she was quite a bit older and she was at that perfect age for horror and I was five years too young probably (laughs) but it just was kind of our escape and she showed me a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen and they just stuck with me you know like forever and even when I didn't realize it when I first was becoming a filmmaker I I wasn't necessarily setting out to be a horror filmmaker or or I
2: I didn't know what you know, I just knew I wanted to be a storyteller and be a filmmaker and make movies and and then the more I got into it and the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, that childhood of horror, how much it burned into my brain. and <laughs> and so it's where my mind goes no matter what the story is. and 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 I feel like you can take kind of any story and just make it, you know, ten percent or a thousand percent more different by adding the kind of horror element
1: to it and still, Telling that type and it can be any type of movie you know and any type of story and so i love that about the genre just in general
0: yeah i love that as well um i once spoke to somebody who said um everything is scary and if you don't find something scary you haven't thought about it enough yet yeah so, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah john carpenter said something like that but yeah who wouldn't think
2: anything's scary That's crazy. I
0: I mean, I've seen enough Final Destination movies to know that everything can kill me. Exactly. So, (laughs) But I watched your newest movie, Lord of Misrule, this week, and I thought it was really unsettling and unnerving in a good way, of course. Lord of Misrule is in theaters and on demand on December 8th, and it follows Rebecca Holland, who's played by Tuppence Middleton, who who has recently taken over as a priest, though I think it's reverend. That I just got this- yeah, yeah. Of a small town. And when her young daughter, Grace, played by Evie Templeton, goes missing at a local harvest festival, a desperate search begins to find her. This felt quite different from your other movies like The Boy and Orphan First Kill. Why were you drawn to the script and how did you get connected to the project?
2: I was given the script by my producing partner in the movie. His name's James Tomlinson. And and he him and I were looking for projects, you know, we always were. And he just sent me this and was like, you need to read this. You know, it's really good. And and within like five pages, I was like kind of hooked. So it's like reading a good book, you know, where you don't know where it's going to
1: go, but you want to finish reading it. And, and so I already, my imagination was going crazy because it introduced so many things in the first five or 10 pages, you know, like Little Grace and Almost Hurting a Bunny, which I thought was like a really intense, you know, I, I I was like, oh, this is a great sign for things to come in this movie, the way that he he introduced that. Tom DeVille is his name, the writer. And and just, you know, I love costumes and puppets and dolls and masks and all that stuff and the design of all that. And very quickly in this story, you know, that became very apparent in the world. And it was in a way that I had not seen and it was everywhere in the story. And it was all part of this rich mythology that he created that both felt kind of familiar and also really unique. And so I just, on every level, kind of, I was hooked immediately. And I kind of felt like I had my fingers crossed that I was going to love where the story was going to continue to go. But I knew enough pretty quick that I knew I wanted to make it. It was just a matter of like how much I was going to be in love with every single thing that happened in the story. And it turned out that I was in love with everything that happened in the story. And you know, surprised, and you know, it, it was a great experience getting that script and working with Tom on it, like for a while before we made it.
0: Oh, how long were you working on it for before you started production?
1: I think probably we got this. I want to say got it in like 2018,
2: maybe. Oh, wow, something like that.
1: And you know, that was one thing too about it, because it felt it, it, and I think the movie does too. It felt like a period piece, but it wasn't. I mean, I knew it wasn't. And I love that, that it's like a place that's kind of frozen in time a little bit. So yeah, it's, and then we shot it, we, you know, we, we finished it like a year ago, I think pretty much. And, and so it's nice to be able to present it to the world and talk about it now.
0: Yeah. That's so funny that you said that about something about it being a period piece. Cause at first, when it first started, I thought it was going to be a period piece, but then it takes place during modern day. Yeah. So did you, did you kind of want to do that bait and switch with like the first two scenes when you were filming it?
1: No, I mean, I wasn't trying to trick anybody. It just is that's the thing about that that world is it's kind of, you know, lost in this in this little bubble of time, these villages and and then the people who live in them and the belief systems and just the simple life they lead. And even the real village, it's like it, you know, by time it's by the time it's six o'clock at night at night. I mean, all the lights are out and that's it. You know, there's no light from any other city or any other town. It's just black and they live a very different life sort of, but, but yeah, hopefully it did, you know, you know, hopefully it's, it's, I think somebody once said something about when they saw the husband, Henry, when he brought up his iPhone was the first time, maybe they were like, wait a minute, there's an iPhone. Like, how's yeah. that? So <laughs> But it wasn't on purpose to be a, a twick, trick though.
0: Yeah. So what was filming this like? And where did you film it?
1: Filming it was we filmed it in a town called Aldbury Village, which is about an hour north of London. And and you know, it was the first right out got off the plane. First thing we did is we went to go check out this village that they had kind of invited us to film in. And it was crazy. Just because we weren't expecting something so perfect for the movie. <laughs> And just walking around and videos and the pictures we took. And, you know, it's just like, it's just like the movie and, and then things that are even better, like the church overlooking the whole town and them letting us film in and around the church. And it was just, you know, and it's surrounded by forest. It's just perfect. And so filming was kind of like going to a, an amusement park or something every day, like Disneyland. It, was like a dream come true i mean i filming in and around london was kind of a dream come true but filming making a movie with a uk cast and crew i just loved and being in a place that authentic and to where we weren't ha- you know we didn't have to do much movie magic if you will it, you know we're just filming in the town and so it was it was very it felt very authentic and and very creepy
0: yeah that's so awesome uh, was the Lord of Misrule Myth something that you're familiar with before you signed on as director?
1: Barely. I mean, I remember it barely from Wicker Man, maybe, and... And then I've, you know, the jester stuff, like the visual of it, I've known, but not until I I read the script that I dig more into kind of like the really long history of variations of Lord of Misrule and Feast of Fools and these festivals and the kind of evolution of that character, which we kind of did a, a variation I've never read about before, but it still was all based in this very, you know, rich history.
0: Yeah. How did the cast come together?
1: It was a combination of everything. You know, for for Evie, the little girl for Grace and the other kids, it was definitely like through auditioning and to just try to find those those right kids with the with this great spark and kind of an kind of an evil to them almost, but a sweetness at the same time. And and with Tuppence, I was already a fan of Tuppence Middleton. I had just seen her in Mank.
2: David Fincher's film at the time and, or before that. And, and then the Wachowskis' series since eight, I loved her in that. And so we got her the script and she loved it. And I, we just had some great meetings that led to her being in the movie. And, and we worked a lot together, like fine tuning the character in the script. And then Ralph Einstein, he, he was somebody I'd worked with before and we're good friends. And whenever I'm
1: in the UK, whenever he's here, we see each other. And so I knew I wanted him involved but I wasn't sure what the character would be. And it turned it turned into him playing Jocelyn. And it's a long story, but Jocelyn was written as a woman, like a 70-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until four weeks before shooting, when I talked to him, that I asked him if
2: he would be interested in playing that character. And so everybody got very excited about changing it and kind of mixing things up. And everybody was very supportive about what would, was a pretty crazy idea at the time. But now I can't imagine it in any other way.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I love hearing about things that like changed on set or right before production. That's so cool. What would you say are the central themes of Lord of Misrule*?
1: Really? I think, I mean, on on a big level that, you know, there's kind of a conversation about religion and extremism. And I know Tom was writing it initially very much around the time of Brexit. And kind of was a, was kind of paralleling it a lot to mm-hmm. like the kind of nationalism and the things that happened around that. But at its core, you know, it's a parent kind of coming to grips with how much they would put on the line to save their child. And in the case of our character, being that she's very pious and she's a religious figure,
2: you know, what she has to put on the line. is a lot it's her belief system is very you know ingrained in her life and so she kind of has to balance that in her decision on what what's going to happen you know the fate of her her daughter
0: do you come from a religious background did any of that go into this
1: i come like my my grandfather was a reverend in in around chicago like a like a very he's like a phd and so he wasn't kind of a fire and brimstone kind of guy. He was pretty intellectual in that respect, and but I, I didn't spend a lot of time around religion, uh, or I spent a lot of time around it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Like I had this, <laughs> I didn't become a member of it. But I, as a, co- a child, I did, and so yeah, that plays in into everything I do usually about beliefs, and certainly in horror, most things are like, well, do you believe it or not? And I think it's interesting to play around with it. And I don't pretend to know it like I know anything, you know, like if there
2: was really a God or not, but, but I think it's interesting to play around with, especially in
0: scary movies. What did you learn from movies that you've directed in the past that you brought with you on to set this time? Any, if there is anything. Well, a
1: lot of things, I mean, it's, some are more technical and some are, I mean, I think it's, it's trying to be very true to kind of your voice and making the movie you want to make and, trying to be as meticulous as possible. You know, I, this was the first movie I didn't shoot with two cameras the whole time. And that was normally, you know, shooting with two cameras makes it easier and faster and you're getting more coverage. And, but it's also kind of watering down maybe the true vision of the movie, or at least from my perspective. And so there were a lot of different approaches with this movie that, I think I probably learned more from this movie that I'll carry on to the more movies because with every movie, you know, you're, you're just learning where to push and pull with compromise, whether it be in casting there, you know, in another movie, they wouldn't have let me put Ralph in that role as Jocelyn. And I learned that things like that are important and it's, it's not, you know, just to, and, and to really push, you know, we really pushed the draft of the script to make sure that it was extremely close to what I would consider the first cut of the movie just so many things with filmmaking there's so many people it's a, it's it's such a process to to kind of negotiate from conception to release it's not just the, you know the 6 weeks of shooting or something and in this case you know we took a lot more time in post really fine tuning the so it was just you know just teaching myself to really take time to and believe in what you know I wanted it to end up like.
0: Awesome. The score was really interesting. Where did the song come from that they sing in the beginning?
1: Uh, The song in the beginning is from an artist named Sam Lee. And it's a very old like song from hundreds and hundreds of years ago called the Tan Yard so- Side, I think. And, and he was, he was, Sam Lee was somebody, I listened to a lot of his music. He's a folk singer in, in the UK and he's, in a lot of movies and i kind of fell in love with his very traditional authentic voice a long time ago and i assumed that we would be you know creating new music later and i was using his music some of it in the movie and then somebody knew him and i ended up talking to him and then he agreed to you know let me use his song at the beginning and then him and i wrote a song That's at the end of the movie over the credits that he sang that kind of tells the whole story of the town. And so, you know, it was really cool. Once again, it was kind of like a dream come true in a way to be inspired by an artist for months and months leading up to editing the movie and then to finally have a chance to actually
2: collaborate with the guy that I was inspired by. Yeah,
0: that's That's very cool. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that song again. I always, I never pay enough attention when it's like the entire story is like sung or like shown, like in Midsommar.
1: Well, at the end, the story is yeah, over credits, (laughs) it's like a five minute, it's like the whole story.
0: Oh, that's so cool. So, my last question is, or my second to last question is, you seem to really like making movies about creepy kids or that incorporate creepy kids what is your favorite horror movie that you've seen that you haven't made that's about or incorporates creepy kids
1: the omen well two the omen i always i've always loved the omen and and i love the simplicity of damien and you know he hardly speaks and he's but he's terrifying he's like and and then there's a movie called the other not the other's With Nicole Kidman, which I love that movie, but it's called The Other and it's from 1972 or something. And it's about two twin brothers, Niles and Holland, and they live kind of in this, it feels like it's Europe or something, some farm, but it's, it's like Connecticut and, but it's very old worldly and, and one of them's bad and one of them's good and people start dying. And it's just really, it was based
2: on a novel. It's great. And and it has a chilling twist that, you know, I can watch the twist over and over and it gives me like goosebumps every time. But I mean, it's, and it's, there's some really just dark things about that movie, but it's also very beautiful and kind of picturesque in a strange
1: cool. way.
0: I'm gonna have to go look that one up now. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else you want people to know before they go to see Lord of Misrule?
1: No, I just hope everybody takes the chance to watch the film and that they leave happy uh, one way or another after they see
0: but it is it i don't are they gonna be happy at the end of it i don't know is you it, know happy
1: with the experience at least
0: <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> yeah
0: well thank you again so much and good luck with the rest of the press tour and the release
2: thank you thank you so much it was great meeting you
0: nice meeting you too that's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with William Brent Bell, and thanks again to William for coming on. Again, Lord of Misrule will be available in theaters and on demand this Friday, December 8th. I'll leave links in the show notes to where you can find it near you as of Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Who's There PC. Don't forget to check out our Patreon if you want to stay more connected. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and never ask Who's There.